Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. Today we're in the third week of our series, Joy to the World. The first week, we were singing, and heaven and nature sing, and we were singing with creation. That's joyful, right? Happy. Good things are happening. Last week, we were repeating the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy like Leslie said last week. And now this week, we come to the verse in the song where it opens up with, no more let sins and sorrows grow. And then there's a curse. Kind of seems like Christmas maybe took a little bit of a more serious turn at this third verse here. It's almost like the writer of this song says, hey, We're happy, this is good, good stuff is coming, but we gotta wait. We still have to wait. There's work to be done in your hearts. And there are things that I'm still wanting to do for you, my people. You still need to wait, but a son is coming. We're gonna start off in Isaiah chapter nine. I'm going to skip the first verse because it's kind of a backstory a little bit. But you should be familiar with this. Who all is in here has heard uh, Handel's Messiah? Uh, good, good few of you. This should be pretty familiar to you. So let's read Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the, the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So we need to give a little bit of a brief historical background here before we really dive into this. But this is going to be brief because you could spend 12 weeks just on this one little bit of scripture right here. So instead of doing that, I'm going to encourage you to get with Becky Clark. And if you're not in a small group, then find a Bible study. Ask her to start the, uh, the Epic of Eden Isaiah Bible study. Or if you are in a small group, do this Bible study, the Isaiah Bible study. It will go so much deeper than what we have time uh, for this morning. 
and you will understand the fullness of what God is doing and saying to the people of God through the prophet Isaiah here. But briefly, we will say that this, the prophet Isaiah spoke from somewhere around 739 to 686 BC. At this point in the history of Israel, the kingdoms were divided. We had the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom, Judah and Israel. Today, we're going to be focusing mainly on the southern kingdom and the oppression that they were under from the Assyrians. You see right off the, the, the bat in this passage that these people are living in a land of deep darkness. So we, we hear words in the commentaries like desolation, gloom, darkness. In other words, it's not a good time to be in Israel. All the good things that are said towards or in this passage somehow are, are almost like it's the opposite of what these people are currently experiencing because the, the people that Isaiah was talking to would have recognized what Isaiah is doing. He's using a literary device known as the prophetic, prophetic perfect tense, which means that God has given Isaiah a word that is so guaranteed to be true that he's comfortable saying, talk about it like it already happened. And the people would recognize this. And from that, they get hope. They know that a child will be born. They know that things are going to get better. But what they're experiencing at the time of hearing this is darkness, desolation, gloom, deep darkness. The hope that they get from this, though, is, is very interesting because this hope calls us, if we're to try to identify somehow with, with the people of Israel, this calls us to a really uncomfortable place because we have to admit that I'm not okay. Things are not okay. We know that Jesus was born. We now see this through the lens of history where we see the effect of Jesus coming as a child. But these people didn't have that luxury. So this hope, there's nothing that they have, nothing that they know. They may put their hope in a person, which some people will say that Isaiah was also not just writing about the coming of Christ, but he was writing about uh, King Hezekiah, who was a really, really good king. And he did some really great things, but eventually he died. He didn't last forever. <clears throat> this, this week I was standing in uh, Phil Gordon's office and I was just having a conversation about what, what we were going to be talking about this week. And uh, Raleigh Walker, some of you may know him, was in there. And it's really kind of interesting how, how I think God sometimes will lead you into conversations that you, you kind of say, oh, you meant for me to have this conversation. And so in there, standing there, talking about football, whatever, with Raleigh and, and Phil, I, I just talk about the fact that uh, I was going to be preaching this week. 
And uh, Raleigh asked me what I was going to be preaching about. And I said, well, this week in Advent is hope. You know, the first week is joy. The second week is peace. This week is hope. And I said, and, and I, I like what hope calls us to, this, this place of, I don't know, this tension that, that I don't know, we, we can't really do it on our own. And Raleigh pulls out his notes. He still had them in his hand from his Sunday school lesson last week. And he read off this quote to me. He said, hope has nothing to do with our inherent abilities, our positive attitudes, buoyant personality, deep wisdom, or dogged resolve. Christian hope is based exclusively on the character of God. And I just kind of took a breath and I stepped back. I leaned against Phil's office door frame because I thought that's pretty much it. That's exactly what I feel God is calling us into during this season of Advent. It's happy, it's merry, jingle bells and fa-la-la and all that stuff is great. Actually, I really don't like all that stuff, if I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. (laughs) But this season of Advent that we find ourselves in is a season of getting ready for the coming Christ. And if we're going to be anticipating the coming Christ, why did he even have to come? Christ had to come because we could not do it on our own. There's nothing within us that we have, that we can do, that can fulfill that hope. So it is in the person of Jesus that we have to wait, that we have to rely on, that we have to hope on. In verse two, going back to the passage, it says that The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. You know, Isaiah doesn't stop there. He calls it a land of deep darkness. And so, there's a difference between darkness and deep darkness, right? So darkness is when you turn the light out by your bedside and you still have the faint glow of the alarm clock next to you if you still have one of those and don't just use your phone for an alarm clock. It's the nightlight that's still on, but it's really kind of dim, but it's dark, right? Well, imagine you're sitting on your couch. I know this has happened to every person in here. You're sitting on your couch, you're watching TV, 8.30 at night, laying in your bed, 8.30 at night or something, and boom, the power goes out. And now, that is dark, right? I mean... What do you do? What's the first thing you do? I'll take an answer here. What's the first thing you do when the power goes out? What do you go for? A flashlight, right? Or a candle, maybe. Fire up the flashlight, light the candle. Everything's good now, right? You could see just as well as before, right? No. So the things that you have at your disposal, the things that we have at our disposal, cannot ever replace the light. Now, this is kind of just an inconvenience for you and me, but I think it puts into perspective that, you know, when things are deeply dark, that we can't see anything, we can't see past our noses, and we can't see that there's any hope at all. And so we rely on that word from God to come and say, hey, 
I'm coming. I'm coming. A son is given to you. And it's that point when it still may be dark. We still may be fumbling around with just flashlights and candles and hurricane lanterns and all that stuff. But the truth is we know, because we can be pretty sure when the power goes out, it's going to come back on eventually. It may be a couple hours, maybe a day or so, depending on why the power went out. But we know eventually the source of that power, the source of that light is coming back and it's going to get turned on. And so in that moment, we have maybe a little bit of hope, you know, and it's not serious. Like I said, this is an inconvenience. It's not the, the oppression and the desolation that these people were experiencing. But how well does this parallel our need for a savior that is outside of us, that is the source of true light? Well, here's our hope. John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, John here isn't now using the prophetic perfect tense. He's speaking in real time that the light has come. And so we have that benefit of living with the fulfillment of the promise that God sent us his son And that promise that God sent his people through the prophet Isaiah. But still, in this season, I think God intentionally wants us to to sing this song, hear these words, read these, these words, and say, God, I know you're coming. I just, I know that it's not yet. I know you're going to do amazing things and I know that you are the savior of the world and what a joyous thing that is. But I know that I still have to recognize the darkness that's in me. I have to admit my own darkness. I have to admit that I can't do it and that I need you. So here's what we're not going to do today. We're not going to wrap this up in a nice, pretty little bow and say that everything is hunky-dory because that's not where we are. Yes, I just said the word (laughs) hunky-dory. It's kind of a cliffhanger, right? That's where we are. I mean, would you have tuned in to the second episode if you found out on episode one who shot JR? (laughs) Probably not. Would there have been a need for Return of the Jedi if everything got resolved at the end of Empire Strikes Back? Probably not. The, the, the uh, content creators, the, the people that write TV have it so good that they leave us wanting more every week by giving us a cliffhanger at the end of these shows. And I think that's where we are today. We need to sit in that space of, we really do know what's coming next, but we gotta sit not really know, anticipating the next chapter, the next verse. So let's do that. 
Let's sit in that space of realizing that, God, I know it's dark right now. And I know you've got stuff that you're going to do, but God, I want to sit in that place of knowing that I'm not good enough and I'm okay with that because you are and you're coming. Let's pray. God, this morning, we've sung really, really happy songs. And we've sung some songs that kind of lead us into this place of this, this waiting, this expecting you to come. And so God, I ask that as we, as we sing these last songs, this last song, that we hear and we sing and we think and we remember all the reasons that you had to come and be thankful for the fact that you did come. But God, we know, we know, we know that within us, we don't have it. We have to hope. We have to admit. I have to admit that I'm not there and that I need you and that I have to rely on your, your hope, your promise. And we thank you for that. We thank you that you did in fact come through on your promise. You're a good God. Wonderful counselor. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, all those words that we can now say with certainty, God, that is you. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Refuge Podcast. To find out more about the Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.